0: Jewish Audio on Kaban.org. Our sages tell us that the first two days of Passover represent the past redemption. The redemption of the Jewish people from the land of Egypt. And the last two days of Passover represent the ultimate redemption that will take place through the coming of Mashiach. And this we see from the fact ...that the Haftorah of the last two days of Passover deal with Geulah, deal with redemption. The seventh day of Passover, we have the Haftorah of Shiraz David, the Song of David. And we know that David is the ancestor of the Mashiach. Mashiach is called Mashiach ben David, Mashiach, the son of David... And therefore, the seventh day of Passover hints to the Mashiach, who is the son of David. And then on the eighth day, we read the Torah from Isaiah chapter 10 and chapter 11. We start off with, Oid Hayoim, V'Noiv Lam Oid, yet today we stand in Nob. And this represents the miracle that occurred when Sancherev, the king of Assyria, surrounded Jerusalem. And Chizkiyah, the king, thought it was all over, and he prayed to God, and a miracle occurred that in one night the entire army of Sanhedrim perished. And the Gemara says that God wanted to make Chizkiyah the Messiah, and this answers the question that even though it actually tells us in the tractate of Megillah, page thirty-one A, that why we read this portion of the Haftorah today is because this actual event occurred on the first night of Passover, and now we're on the eighth day of Passover, so we should read it on the first day of Passover, not the eighth day of Passover. So even though this historic event took place the first day of Passover, yet we read it on the eighth day of Passover because it's connected with the concept of Mashiach, for King Chizkiah says the Talmud was supposed to be the Mashiach. And then we move on to chapter 11 in the book of Isaiah. And there it talks about the which means that a shoot shall spring forth from the stem of Jesse, which talks about the concept of Mashiach. And then it goes on to say in passage number 2, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, a spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of counsel and heroism. And we say this verse in the Reading of the liturgy of the prayer before the Torah is taken out of the ark. We say, Yiskayim Banu, that this should be fulfilled in us. This passage that refers to Mashiach, because in essence, every Jew has the Mashiach in him. And on this day, the eighth day of Passover, the revelation of Mashiach is revealed within each and every one of us. And then the uh, Haftorah continues with passage number 6, that the wolf shall live together with the lamb. And in passage number 8, the infant shall play over the hole of a viper. And all of these miracles that will occur when Mashiach will come. So we see very vividly in the Haftorah that this day, the eighth day of Passover, is truly connected with the concept of Mashiach. And this is why it is very simply understood that the Baal Tov, on the eighth day of Passover, had a third meal. And he called this meal Mashiach Suda, the meal of Mashiach. Because on this day, the radiance of the light of Mashiach shines openly. And in 1906, the Rebbe Rishab went down to the yeshiva and he had a meal together with the Bakrim with the students, and he told the monitors to give out to all the boys four cups of wine. So they washed for Matzah, and they also had wine. And he said, Thus is Sudas Mashiach, this is the Suda of Mashiach. And therefore many synagogues throughout the world have on the eighth day of Passover a special Mashiach Souda, Mashiach's suda Mashiach meal, or Sudas Mashiach where they give matzah and and four cups of wine. And of course you can add to this gefilte fish and other uh, delicious items as well. But the main part of Mashiach Suda is to eat matzah and to drink four cups of wine. What is the concept of, of Mashiach Suda? Why must we eat and drink? Why isn't it enough that we read the Haftorah that deals with the aura of Mashiach? And the answer is very simply that it's not enough that we think about Mashiach or we talk about Mashiach, but we have to internalize Mashiach. By eating a meal of Suddath Mashiach, we are internalizing this concept of Mashiach into our bodies. And we make it real. We bring it into the world of action. So now we infuse every act that we do with the aura and with the radiance of Mashiach. And perhaps we can say that specifically wine and matzah are crucial to this meal because matzah is the food of faith. By eating the matzah, we are strengthening our faith in the coming of Mashiach, believing that today he can come. And the wine represents the idea of joy, of simcha, that we have joy in the awaiting of the coming of Mashiach. That we know he's coming, that we're so joyful that he's about to come. And the Rebbe asks the question, if on the eighth day of Pesach we have the aura of Mashiach, and it's clearly and vividly found in the Haftorahs that we read on the eighth day in every synagogue throughout the entire diaspora, Why is it that the Baal Shem Tov came along in the mid-1700s to introduce this new meal? Why didn't they have the meal before that? So the Rebbe explains that, number one, as we get deeper into exile and the darkness increases, we need a greater light to give us direction. That's one reason why now the Baal Shem Tov introduced this concept of Mashiach's Suda, the meal of Mashiach. And furthermore, we're also about to have the redemption. And as we explained many times, that we find ourselves now on the universal clock, Friday afternoon, waiting for the Shabbos. And Friday afternoon, when you go into a Jewish home, what do you smell? You smell the gefilte fish, and you smell the chicken soup, and you smell the kugel, and you smell the chicken. It's already cooking on the fire. The home is filled with the radiance and with the aura of Shabbos. And so to now, the world becomes filled with the radiance of Mashiach, and we can even taste it with our mouths. And that is why now, more than ever, there is this concept and this campaign to eat the meal of Mashiach on the eighth day of Pesach. Let us analyze this concept of Mashiach Suda, and how it differs from another meal that is also called by the name of Mashiach, and that is every Saturday night, but Soy Shabbos when the holy Shabbos goes out, there is a din, a law in the code of Jewish law, that one is supposed to eat Malave Malka. One is supposed to eat the final meal, and this meal is called Suda David Malka Mashiach. This is called the meal of King David the Mashiach. And this happens every Saturday night. So what makes this meal different than the meal that we eat on the eighth day of Pesach, which is called Su'udas Mashiach? So in truth, there are four differences. Number one is the time. The time for the meal of Sudas David Malka Mashiach takes place every Saturday night. So you have 48 weeks or 52 weeks a year that you have this meal. The Suda of Mashiach takes place only once a year, on the eighth day of Pesach. Number two is, the meal Saturday night is the fourth meal of Shabbos. Friday night you have a meal, Saturday morning you have a meal, Shabbos afternoon you have a meal. The fourth meal is Motzwe Shabbos. In other words, you first have to prepare yourself with three meals. And then, Saturday night, you eat the fourth meal. And this is similar to the chariot, as it explains in Kabbalah, that there are four wheels of the chariot. There's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the fourth wheel is David. So the fourth meal is David. So the meal of Saturday night is really an extension from the three previous meals. In contrast to the meal of Mashiach, which is done on the final day of Pesach, which is a meal on its own. Thirdly, the meal Saturday night is called Suda's David Malka Mashiach, the meal of King David. And the meal that we eat on the final day of Pesach is called the meal of Mashiach. And finally, the fourth difference is that the meal Saturday night is a din. It's a law in the code of Jewish law, in the Shulchan Aruch. In contrast to the meal on the final day of Pesach, which is a minhag, which is a custom that was started by the B'Hashem Tov and continued for nine generations up till this very date by the fact that the other leaders of the Jewish people have continued this custom in every generation. So what is the difference between the din, a law, and a minhag and a custom? And the answer can be understood through a teaching that we spoke about once before, and that is the Gemara tells us that when Mashiach will come, in the world to come, God will create a Kesar or Palga Kesar. He will create a Caesar and half a Caesar. As the Gemara explains in Sanhedrin on page 98, side B, that there will be two rulers. There will be the Caesar and Palgi Kesar a half a Caesar. Who will be the Caesar? That will be Mashiach. Who will be the half of Caesar? That will be King David. That is what the Gemara says. And that's the way Rashi and the commentaries explain the Gemara. So the question is, number one, why is it that we call Mashiach a Caesar? The name Caesar is not a Jewish name. We should simply call him king. Especially... The name Caesar was attributed to the Roman Empire, the empire that destroyed the Holy Temple. Why would you want to give Mashiach such a name? And number two is, according to the Talmud, the name Caesar was given because of a that One of the kings of Rome was born through a Caesarian. And because of that, they called him Kesar, which means Caesarian. So why would you want to give Mashiach such a name which is an abnormal name through an unnatural birth which is the name of Caesar? And and the Rebbe explains in a sicha of Akherin Shal Pesach, Tavshim Memches in 1988 and he says something very profound. The Rebbe says that what is the main objective of Mashiach? What will be the main preoccupation of Mashiach? It will not be for the Jews. It will not be to teach the Jews Torah. This was done for many generations. This is done throughout the ages. And of course Mashiach will do this on a greater level. But the main novelty and the main innovation of Mashiach will be to affect the nations of the world. That every corner of the world will be permeated with God. That to God will be the kingship. To God will be sovereignty. God will be the complete, ultimate ruler of the entire world. And all the nations of the world will go to the light of God and to the light of the Holy Temple. So Mashiach's real innovation will be to influence and to refine and to inspire all the nations of the world and therefore to talk their language we call mashiach a caesar we call mashiach a caesar like the nations of the world call him because his objective is to influence all of these nations of the world including rome which is considered to be the most evil because they have the audacity to go and destroy the holiest place on earth, to destroy God's home, the holy temple. Even Rome, the lowest of all the nations, will also be influenced by Mashiach. And they too will be inspired, and they will be totally transformed to be people who believe in God and follow the laws of the seven Noahide laws. And this is what the Rambam says in the closing... Chapter and in also the, the closing halachas, the Ramam says that when Mashiach will come, the preoccupation of the entire world will be what? L'das es Hashem, to know God. Implying not only Jews will know God, but all the nations of the world will know God. And this will be brought about through Mashiach. And this explains on a Kabbalistic level why Mashiach is called a Kesar, why he's called a Caesar. Because, according to Kabbalah, the way God created the world was through an interruption, a black hole. In other words, as the Kabbalah explains in the writings of the Arizal, that if God's light would have permeated the entire world the way it is today, the world would not be a finite world. Because God is infinite, and His light is infinite, and because God and His light are both infinite, therefore there would be an fi- infinite world, not a finite world. So how do we create a finite world where people live and they also die, and they have to go to sleep and they get tired, and there's good and there's also evil so that there can be free choice. How do you create a system that allows for free choice of good and evil? Only through this black hole, only through this interruption, which we call in Kabbalah Tzimtzum, that God concealed himself. Now, similarly, this concept of interruption is also a manifestation of a Caesarian, because the way God created the nature of the world ...is that the mother should have a child... ...and naturally the child should come out from the womb. If, God forbid, there is an interruption... ...if there is an obstacle, if there is a breach... ...so now the child is born in an unnatural way. So, therefore, through the concept of the unnatural birth so to speak, God was able to create this everyday natural world. If, however, God would have created the world within his infinite light through the normal chain reaction of events, there could be no finite physical world of free choice. And so therefore God had to create what you call this abnormal birth, this Caesarian that allowed for a, a world to be born that is through an interruption. And now there can be a world where people feel that they're independent, where people feel that they are outside of God and don't feel a connection with God. And of course, through the study of Torah and mitzvahs, And meditation, one realizes that there is a biblical cord that connects us with Almighty God. So this is the concept of a Caesar, the concept of the unnatural birth that comes about through a breach which allows for a finite physical world. So this is the concept according to Kabbalah. Similarly, everything that happens on the physical world has to have its spiritual counterpart. The spiritual counterpart of a Caesarian in the higher worlds represents a radiance and a light that is totally beyond nature. It represents an energy that cannot be controlled within vessels, but rather it's a light that is beyond our wildest comprehension. And this energy and this source of light that we are talking about, this is the light of the Mashiach, a light that is totally beyond the creation of the world. And so we are told that Mashiach will be a Caesar, that he will bring this light that is totally beyond creation, totally beyond nature, totally beyond the finite world, and he will now manifest the world with this infinite light. And that is why he's called a Caesar. But there will also be a palgi keisai. There will also be a half of a Caesar. And that is King David. Because the difference between David and Mashiach is that Mashiach, in a nutshell, represents miracles. A level beyond nature. King David, on the other hand, represents a world of nature. In other words, even though Mashiach will introduce this new energy into the world, a light of miracles, that is beyond nature, yet it will not interrupt and breach the nature, but yet they will coexist one with the other. So we have both Mashiach and we have David. So now we can understand the difference between the meal of the Mashiach and the meal of David. The meal of David, David, Malcolm, Mashiach, is done every Saturday night. Why? Because David is about nature. It's bringing God into nature. And therefore, to be able to access this energy of bringing morals and values and Torah into nature, we have the meal of the Mashiach. As explains in Kabbalah, that really, the meal of King David, which is the fourth meal of Shabbos, is to bridge... Shabbos to the rest of the week to take this peace and to take this tranquility and to take this aura that we just experienced throughout these three meals and now bring it into the rest of the week. How do we do this? By having a meal right after Shabbos ends by making this meal Suudas David Malcom Mashiach but the meal of Mashiach that is once a year Suudas Mashiach on the final day of Pesach, this represents an aura that is totally beyond nature. It's a miraculous light. It's an energy beyond time and space. And therefore, because it's miraculous, and because it is beyond time and space, therefore we only do it once a year to show that it's not natural, that it's not normal, it's not every day. It is totally something which is miraculous. Number two, the meal of David is the fourth meal because it's only after we first had the first three meals of Shabbos that we now bring that into the fourth meal. It's our avodah, it's our service, it's our participation in bringing the order of Shabbos into the everyday natural order. However, The meal of Mashiach, which is once a year, which is a meal of miracle, this is God's intervention with the world. This is God giving us the strength of miracle in the everyday world. And that is why we don't have to precede it by other meals. It's an independent meal on its own. And it's interesting that the meal of Mashiach on the final day of Pesach takes place in the month of Nisan. Nisan means miracles. The month of miracles. Especially the word Nisan has two N's in it. Two N's. Implying that it's miracles of miracles. And therefore the the final meal of Passover, which is the meal of Mashiach, brings the revelation of miracles into the world, the aura and the radiance of Mashiach into the world on a level of miracle. Number three, the meal of Saturday night is called Sudas David Malcolm Mashiach. Even though it's called the meal of David the Mashiach, but it's still called David the Mashiach. Why? Because implying that it's Mashiach, but on the level of David. It's a selective Mashiach. It's Mashiach within nature. That nature will be perfect. Nature will be beautiful. All the nations of the world will be at peace, in a very natural, everyday order. But the meal of Mashiach is simply called Sudas Mashiach, because it's the level of Mashiach that is all-inclusive. In other words, when Mashiach comes, many things are going to happen. They're first going to build the Holy Temple. And then all the Jews will come back to Israel. And then there'll be another stage, which will be the resurrection of the dead, etc., etc. So therefore, when we say Sudas Mashiach, and we don't give it any specific titles, it represents the all-inclusive level of Mashiach from the very beginning until the very end. From the natural until the supernatural, to the level of Miracle. In contrast to Saturday night, that is only a meal that deals with David within the natural order. And this also explains why the fourth meal is a din, a law in the code of Jewish law. In contrast to the meal of Mashiach, that is only a minhag. In Chasidus, it explains that the level of minhag is actually higher than the level of law. It is so high And the radiance is so bright that it cannot be confined within ink on paper. It cannot be brought into a commandment, into a law. But rather, it's something which we call a custom. We find this concept on Sukkot, on the holiday of Sukkot. That on one hand it says in the Holy Temple, every night they would dance all night long. Why? Because they drew the water... And because they drew the water in the temple, they would dance all night long. Yet, when it comes to Simchas Torah, which is the final day of the holiday, here, the joy is unlimited. So, you have the first seven or eight days, so to speak, of Sukkot. Seven from the first part of the holiday, and then you have the 8th and then the ninth of the latter part of the holiday. The first seven days in the streets of Crown Heights, is dancing all night long. And this is reminiscent of the dancing in the Holy Temple that took place every night. But yet this is a teaching in the oral law. And therefore you have tremendous joy, tremendous dancing all night long, yet it's somewhat confined, somewhat limited. In contrast to the joy of Shemchas Torah, to dance with the Torah, when we go out into the streets and the joy is unbridled, the joy of Shemchas Torah is only a minhag. It's not a law. And because it's a minhag, it's from a higher place than a law, therefore the joy is also a greater joy than the joy that is implied through the law. And so... Similarly, we find over here with the meal of Mashiach, that the meal of Mashiach unleashes a new revelation of belief in the coming of Mashiach. It unleashes a new reality of living every day with Mashiach. And because it's not a law, because it's a minog, it comes from a higher place to give us a greater energy and a greater radiance to be able to truly live with Mashiach every day of the year and to influence and impact and permeate every action that we do in our small world, in all four corners of our world, that it should be permeated with this order of Mashiach. So, this year, on the eighth day of Pesach, make sure that you gather together with your family and your friends, and you have matzah, and you drink four cups of wine, And you bring this aura of Mashiach, not only into yourselves for the last day of Pesach, but rather you use this inspiration and this impetus to bring the aura and the taste of Mashiach into every single day of the world, into every single day of the year. And this will refine our world and refine all the worlds and bring about the ultimate geula, the ultimate revelation with the coming of Mashiach. Amhera bimeinu Amen. Amen.